podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian, a PCA church plant in Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Gabriel Williams, and I'm here with Ross Hodges and John Payne. So, brothers, we are here on another beautiful, hot Charleston day, 90 degrees at about 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> so, how's it going? 100% humidity. <laughs> so, it's going well. I guess you're feeling uh, a bit relieved. Uh, our listeners may not know this, but you're a professor of physics at the College of Charleston, and I yes. know uh, summertime must be a, a bit of a re- relief for you. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's like the last two weeks of grading hundreds of papers, seeing a lot of bad writing, <laughs> a lot of absolute finals, <laughs> a lot of grading, so it's just happy to get past the hump, and now you get to relax a little bit before you know you do your own research or whatnot, but I'm so happy the year is over. It's been a long, long year. <laughs> well, we're, we're certainly glad that, uh, that you have a little time freed up to be able to do this podcast with us. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun uh, so far. So This is our th- our second episode? Second or third. This is our third episode. This is our like third that. official episode. Yeah. Okay, That's right. And all of our five listeners will be very happy. <laughs> yeah, Ross, you have an aunt listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I think my wife might listen to it also. So that could oh. be six listeners. Wow. Well, I'll still have to convince my wife to listen to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're going to be breaking some records here. Too, yes, we are. We might get double digits by the end of the year. Yep, that's, that's what you hope for. Yeah. All right. All right, so last time we were talking, we were speaking about the history of Christ Church. And so, as was mentioned before, we were about to celebrate our two-year anniversary on June 14th. And so we're very excited about the, what the Lord has done in mm. giving a church plant in Charleston. And so we just want to finish up and kind of continue that conversation. But I just have a very honest question because I'm a Southerner. And everyone knows that Southerners are Christians. That's just how it works. <laughs> so if you just drive down the street, I mean, you can pass 35 churches going right down the middle of Mount Pleasant. 36. Or, yeah, 36 maybe. <laughs> and that's in two blocks. <laughs> so, or you can go downtown. You see all these huge, beautiful churches all over the place. And so my basic question is, why are we planning another church? Yeah, it's a great question. And... There would be those who would be critical, actually, of us coming in and uh, planting another church here. Some would uh, ask more questions on on top of that one. Uh, why would you plant a church here when you when you could plant a church in a place where there uh, weren't other churches? Sure. Uh, you think about even parts of our own nation where there would be entire communities that wouldn't have a real clear gospel witness. Mm -hmm. Uh, There would be, of course, other countries uh, where you could travel for hundreds of miles and not have a solid witness. And so the question is a valid one, um, but I think what we need to back up and think about when we think about that question is what is a true church? True. That's true. What is a true church? And when we think about the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, that was the question of the day, uh, wasn't it, Ross? It was, yeah. The the question of what should I actually consider to be a church? Right. Uh, the Reformers were trying to uh, work through this question, uh, what, is, what is a true church? What are the marks of a true church? And so really what came out of that discussion, what was distilled was the teaching that a true church is a church that faithfully preaches the gospel 
the gospel from the whole counsel of God, from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, a true church, a mark of a true church, is also the right administration of the sacraments, mm-hmm. and uh, and also church discipline. Uh, not necessarily just discipline, as in the sense of a, a member going astray, but discipline as in order, uh, shepherding care, oversight, uh, visitation, mm-hmm. uh, discipleship. Truly caring for the flock. So that's essentially what we have come to do in planting Christ Church, is to faithfully preach and teach the Word of God, uh, to uh, teach our people the nature and meaning of the sacraments, as central to their piety and their Christian lives, Mm -hmm. as well as show uh, shepherding care. Um, A lot of folks that we meet that uh, come through our doors, they share with us that uh, they've never received a visit from an elder. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, They didn't ever really know their pastor. And with the megachurch movement, there is... Uh, essentially this uh, uh, this approach which says okay you're in the church but there's no expectation that you'll be known mm-hmm. there's no expectation really that uh, you will know the pastors and the leaders and it really is uh, uh, an unbiblical approach because Christ is our shepherd and in him leadership are called to be under shepherds mm-hmm. And so we're, we're reaching out to those who are unchurched, of course, uh, but also to those who we would, we would call underchurched. And, and maybe, maybe some of our listeners have never heard of that term, underchurched. What would, what would that be, Ross? Well, underchurched is those who are they're in a church and, and perhaps even a well-meaning church, but they're not receiving the whole counsel of God. They're not mm. receiving the gospel preached faithfully. They're not receiving the sacraments administered faithfully. They're not receiving that shepherding care. These things that, as you've just mentioned, are the marks of a true church. And they it, it's almost as if their diet is spiritually anemic. And so, uh, again, while, while there are well-meaning churches out there who are, as our confessional heritage will say, are more or less faithful on a spectrum, once you get to a certain end of that spectrum, there's people who are not being fed spiritually as they need to be. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be uh, a place where the gospel is preached in all of its robustness, as you have said, and where the other marks of the church are met so that uh, God's people, his, his sheep, are feeding in, in truly green pastures. Right. Those are some very good points because I think I would have fallen into that category of being under church probably for about seven years during my early college years. Mm. And those years... One of the things that I, I guess, kind of believed was that the church just wasn't that necessary for Christian growth. Mm. And I basically held the view that if I had my Bible, if I had prayer, that that means I can grow as a faithful Christian leaps and bounds. And it's only uh, in recent years that I've come to understand how much I actually lacked because I was not properly churched. Isn't it incredible, too, how... Uh, this view can be held, and it's been held by all of us at one point, I think, (laughs) and is held by many evangelicals, how we can hold this view, and yet the scriptures are jam-packed with exhortations about 
being committed to the body of Christ, uh, yeah. obeying your leaders, uh, yes. investing in others, building up each other in the body of Christ, and uh, uh, and yet we still think that somehow mm-hmm. we can be spiritual lone rangers. To be honest, when I read those sort of passages as a young Christian, I just didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant to obey your leaders because I was in a predominantly mega church setting. So to obey your leaders basically meant you went to church and you paid attention. You didn't snore in service (laughs) (laughs) and you just kind of went along with what was going on. But it never really struck me that the actual minister that you are under plays a very important role in how you develop. It never struck me that part of your sanctification involves basically being under a shepherd who is faithfully preaching the word of God and taking it to heart. And so, again, it's one of the things, of course, all Christians probably have regrets, but one of my dearest regrets was that my youngest Christian days was spent in folly. Mm. It was spent just doing foolish things because I didn't have ministers who would just tell me in a very plain sense, you're acting like a young child in the faith. You need to actually learn from older men who can teach you the faith. Mm. And that to me is uh, one of the things I've regretted, but it's one of the things I take seriously now, that it's very important for me as a Christian to realize if I am not a faithful member of a local church, then I am not just harming myself, I'm actually disobedient to the word preached by the apostles. Mm. You know, I think that our American culture and the the mindset, that Lone Ranger Christianity that John mentioned a moment ago, I I think that our culture really plays into that when it comes to the church because we are um, sort of uh, culturally conditioned to think that as Americans that we we can do it alone. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can. You know, I can Mm -hmm. do. Mm. Um, And that when we get into the church, it's there's this flipping of piety on its head where we start with ourselves and we start with with me and my Bible alone, mm-hmm. and the church mm-hmm. becomes sort of the cherry on top. Yeah, that's and right. it's it does a disservice to God's people, and it and it creates a misreading of the word. And mm-hmm. we read Hebrews that says, "Don't forsake the meeting of uh, yourselves together." And we don't think church; we think of you know something of me gathering with my friends. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes, you can have great fellowship at Starbucks with a Christian <laughs> friend, absolutely, but mm-hmm. the means of grace are not there. It's true. Uh, the word is not being preached uh, by a man set apart uh, to to do that. Uh, the sacraments are not being administered. At least they shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as our confession says, by a lawful ordained minister. And um, and the fellowship that takes place on the Lord Day, Lord's Day in the gathered community is that concentrated discipleship and, and accountability that we all need. And... This is wrapped up in the Great Commission, isn't it? Amen. Uh, Our Lord said, uh, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Mm -hmm. And behold, I am with you always. Now, this looks an awful lot like a church context, (laughs) what's being spoken of here. Make disciples. It doesn't say make converts. Mm-hmm. It says make disciples. Discipleship is a lifelong process for the Christian believer. And so that lifelong mm-hmm. process takes place within the, the God-appointed, God-ordained structure of a biblical church. 
Uh, also, it says baptizing, so we have the sacraments there. Of course, Acts 2.42, the early disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Another foundational verse for the, for the, the, the early church and for normative Christian living. And then it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is the exhortation to the apostles, uh, i.e. church leaders, uh, to future elders and pastors to teach all that Christ commanded. And this is an expository preaching ministry, is it not? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You're not just preaching par- portions of Scripture, the, the ones that are more culturally palatable, the ones that, uh, that you want to teach because you've read a good book on the subject last week mm-hmm. or something you've seen on the news. This is the whole counsel of God that is to be proclaimed. And so really when we talk about our desire to plant Christ Church Presbyterian in the midst of a lot of, 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 of so-called churches. Now, some are churches. Some do bear the marks of a church. But this is an area with over 600,000 people and growing very fast. Mm-hmm. And how many churches are truly preaching the whole counsel of God with zeal, administering the sacraments properly, teaching their people what that means, and then giving spiritual oversight, mm-hmm. true spiritual care where they are shepherding your soul. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do. And that's what we want to see more churches doing in this area. And also, as we seek to plant more churches, like the one we're hoping to plant in Polly's Island, South Carolina, uh, this summer. Amen, yeah. You know, and one of the things that is beautiful about all this is the the simplicity. Mm-hmm. The, the marks of the church are really very straightforward. And so the marks and the mission of the church go together, don't they? Indeed. So we, we see our mission as being carrying out those marks. And I mentioned in our previous episode that the one thing I thought I was not going to do after seminary was church planting. Hmm. And part of the reason for that is because I didn't see myself as creative enough or innovative enough. And mm. I'm, I'm not, um, which is why it's great to be on a team. But the the mission of church planting doesn't have to be a complicated one. It is mm. It is being faithful to the marks and mission of the church as we've just described here. And that's, that really brings a lot of clarity and a lot of confidence in what we do, I believe. Um, and it, so it's, with, when you think about church planning, we don't need to be reading you know, manuals about uh, church planting and books and books and books about strategy. I, I think we have our strategy, don't we? Indeed, we just read it in the Great Commission, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We did. It's making disciples and... Uh, again, we, we recognize that there are uh, lots of, of, of churches and, and, and leaders that are really seeking to make disciples, and we praise God for that. But you know, we, we want to, to, to be challenged ourselves, and we want to challenge uh, all of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ um, who may hear this, that uh, our, our, our goal should be faithfulness mm-hmm. to the Word of God and not success not growth in numbers primarily, but growth spiritually, maturing. You know, some people make uh, make the assertion that we need all kinds of churches. Gabe, we need we need we need churches that are going to bring conversions. We need churches that are going to be uh, social justice churches and help community. We need churches that are that are going to be teaching churches. I think all of that is nonsense. I think what we need are biblical churches, Amen. and we need a whole lot more. And one of the pervasive myths about at least Southerners is that all Southerners go to church. 
perhaps you could have said that 45, 50 years ago, mm. but we have seen a very growing secular audience in the South. And the reality is that in a city like Charleston with 600,000 plus people, if you only have the same amount of churches that you had in 1960, you are not serving the community of the gospel. It's just not possible. There's not enough people, not enough faithful men to do the work. And so the reality is that the Great Commission is telling us that not only do we need to just um, make our church conform to the standard of Scripture, we need more churches so that we can have a bigger net. We have many more people we need to reach. And so where uh, my wife and I live, there may be three or four churches on our you know block or so, but there's also about 2,500 people around where we live. And so what that simply means is that more churches need to go out to proclaim the gospel, to make every man mature in Christ. That's what we're commanded to do. And churches is the means that God has provided us to do that. And so it's not a issue of simply just conforming every church to biblical standards. We actually need numerically more biblical churches. We need more men who are willing to take up the work. And as Ross mentioned, it's not necessarily about being creative. It's not innovative. It's faithfulness. Are we going to have more faithful men committed to the task? Indeed. Well, this has been a great discussion uh, here on Between the Times. We hope you will join us next time on our new podcast. <laughs>